0: Hello, this is Professor Tofano, and uh, I will be talking about Chapter 8 Emotions in the textbook Interplay the Process of Interpersonal Communication. And this is the 13th edition of the textbook. I will try to break up the chapters into two sections so that I'm not talking or you're not listening for more than. Um, maybe 30 minutes. So we'll see how uh, that division works. It's hard to predict in advance when you are speaking, reading, and talking about the chapter, but I'll try to keep it around 30 minutes, at least for the first section, for sure. Okay, so on page 235, chapter 8, Emotions, and the chapter outline says, What are Emotions? Uh, Their physiological changes, nonverbal reactions, cognitive interpretations, verbal expression. Next, influences on emotional expression. Those are personality, culture, gender, social conventions and roles, social media, emotional contagion. And third, guidelines for expressing emotions recognize your feelings, choose the best language, share multiple feelings, recognize the difference between feeling and acting, accepting responsibility for your feelings. Accepting responsibility for your feelings. Accept responsibility for your feelings. Yes, that was redundancy. You can underline that, highlight that. Choose the best time and place to express your feelings. And then the last fourth section, the fourth section is on managing emotions. Um, and then we have facilitative, deliberative emotions. Thoughts cause feelings, irrational thinking, and deliberative um, Emotions, minimizing deliberative emotions, maximizing facilitative emotions. Okay, so that is uh, the outline for the chapter. There's an interesting picture in this version of the textbook. Uh, two female basketball players, it appears, are jumping up and down, exciting, and they're kind of chest bumping, I think, um, mm-hmm. running into each other deliberately. I believe uh, as, a, as a sign of some positive emotion that is connected to playing basketball, I assume that there was a good uh, a good play, maybe a basket winning shot, maybe a good defensive maneuver. For those that, that know basketball, you can come up with many positive emotions that are um Attributed to some type of special moment uh, within a basketball game or really any sporting event at all. Okay, so on page 238, talk about nonverbal reactions, which is uh, pretty obvious what that picture uh, on 236 was demonstrating. It says, Not all physical changes that accompany emotions are internal, feelings are often apparent by observable changes to appearance, such as blushing or perspiring. Other changes involve behavior, a distinct, distinctive facial expression, posture, gestures, different vocal tone, and so forth. These reactions are often noticed and interpreted by others. True, right? All right, although it's reasonably easy to tell when someone is feeling a strong emotion, it's more difficult to be certain exactly what the emotion may be Although we usually think of nonverbal behavior as a reaction to an emotional state, there may may be times when the reverse is true, when nonverbal behavior causes emotions. There's a connection uh, between verbalizing emotions and nonverbal reactions. And they have a study here that says that uh, participants who generated words associated with pride and disappointment experienced a change in posture. They unconsciously stood taller when talking about pride and slumping when using words for disappointment. That's kind of an interesting study. Cognitive interpretations. is the next heading here. Although there may be instances where there is a direct connection between physical behavior and emotional states, in most situations the mind plays an important role in determining how we feel. The mind plays an important role in determining how we feel. And they use, of course, the examples of physiological changes uh, uh, resulting from fear, racing heart, perspiration, tense muscles, elevated pressure, uh, blood pressure. So that is an interesting thing, cognitive interpretations. Social scientists refer to a process of reappraisal. And reappraisal is rethinking the meaning of an emotionally charged event in a way that alters the person's emotional, or that alters the emotional impact of it. Research shows that reappraisal is vastly superior to uh, suppressing one's feelings. and often leads to lower stress and increased productivity. Reappraisal has both the physiological and psychological benefits. Reappraisals also have relational benefits. Reappraisal also has relational benefits. One study found that couples who regularly keep uh, regularly step back from their conflicts and reappraise them from a neutral perspective have higher levels of relational satisfaction. In essence, these couples reduce the emotional impact of their disputes by looking at them more rationally and dispassionately. I think this is a, a very uh, important section that you should probably spend some time to get to understand a little bit more about reappraisal, reappraisal. I think we'll talk more about that later. But they use a couple of examples saying, um, especially during conflict, and again, we'll talk more about this in uh, chapter 12, but um, the idea that there is some type of uh, negative emotion associated with a, some type of uh, interaction. And then in the midst of it, um, uh, you may say or do things or respond to those in a way that, that later on, uh, once there's a cooling down period or just some time to reflect or, according to this process, reappraise, uh, then you may rethink um, what those emotions really, uh, the meaning of those emotions are and then how they impact the relationship. So reappraisal is a a good one. On page 240, there's an interesting figure, 8.2, intensity of emotions, and they list five of those there. In the center, it has, uh, for the top one, angry, and then you have um, extremes, and then you have um, ways to communicate those emotions that are more or less intense. So using uh, annoyed... Uh, thinking about if you said I'm annoyed, if you said I'm angry, or you said you're furious. You could see on a scale how annoyed is less intense, and furious is uh, intense. Pensive, sad, grieving. Again, along those same lines. Content, happy, ecstatic. Anxious, afraid, terrified. Liking, loving, adoring. So this is the idea that... Um, your emotions can be expressed uh, with various levels of intensity. Some people, um, maybe because they don't have a, a very complex uh, vocabulary, they may use um, the intense version of all these feelings um, all the time, and uh, it's you have to be careful with expressing. Uh, all emotions with the most intense um, ways to express them, It, it definitely will create barriers to intimacy. So if you look at that chart, especially that first one, annoyed. So think about times that you've been, quote, annoyed with another person's behavior. Think about times that you were angry because of someone else's behavior and think about times that you've been furious. And so what is the difference between um, those reactions? And um, why choose one word or one, one uh, way to label that emotion versus another? So I think this is a, a good place um, to think, uh, think more about this. says here um, page 240 it says we experience most emotions with different degrees of intensity and we use specific emotional words to represent them to say that you're annoyed when a friend breaks an important promise for example would probably be an understatement in other cases people chronically overstate the strength of their feelings to them everything is wonderful or terrible The problem with this sort of exaggeration is that when a truly intense emotion comes along, they have no words left to describe them adequately. So on a scale, they have basically maxed out the scale on ways to verbalize those emotions. If chocolate chip cookies from your local bakery are fantastic, how does it feel to fall in love? I'm not sure if that means in love with the chocolate chip cookies or otherwise. But I sure do love those. Okay, uh, influences on emotional expression. Each of us is born with a disposition to reveal our emotions, at least non verbally, but over time, a wide range of differences develop in uh, emotional expression. Personality is one, culture is one, gender, social conventions, and roles, social media. Uh, Emotional contagion. So we'll talk about those. So, personality. How does personality influence emotional expression? Science has established an increasingly clear relationship between personality and the way people experience and communicate emotions. Although personality can be a powerful force, it doesn't have to govern your communication satisfaction. For instance, people who are shy by nature can devise comfortable and effective strategies for reaching out, such as making contact with others online. Culture influences emotional expression. Although people around the world experience the same emotions, just like men and women experience the same emotions, the same events can generate quite different feelings in different cultures. The notion of eating snails may bring a smile to the delight of some residents of certain cultures, but probably um, North Americans, Americans, probably not. So culture does impact how we uh, express our emotions. In some cultures, it may be more acceptable to be to demonstrate your emotions and in a very outward uh, way. Very dramatic, and in other cultures it may be socially inappropriate. So culture does impact uh, emotional expression. Gender. um, For sure, gender roles often shape the ways which men and women experience and uh, express their emotions. For example, research suggests that women are faster than men at recognizing emotions from facial cues. Women are better at identifying multiple emotions. Women are better at judging emotions from eye behavior. And women are more physiologically attuned to their emotions than men. So that, um, that is probably, um, for most people, that would seem rational. Uh, so just as a reminder, uh, men and women do experience the same emotions. That is true. But men and women express them much differently. Women uh, seem to be more free to express them and men seem to be less free to express them. And it's probably a combination of nature and nurture um, growing up and being socialized to be more or less uh, emotionally expressive. Research on emotional expression suggests that there are also some truth in a stereotype of the inexpressive male and the demonstrative female. So it's true on a whole. Women are more likely to express verbally and non-verbally their range of emotions, and men must much less likely. It doesn't mean that through um, interacting with other humans, through the um, idea of... Uh, negotiation and accommodation and compromising within good relationships that these um, different ways to express emotions or the uh, fear of expressing them could be negotiated between the parties, which it can. Social conventions and roles in the United States, the unwritten rules of communication discourage the direct expression of most emotions. Probably too. That's probably true. Count the number of genuine, genuine emotional expressions you hear over a two to three day period, uh, and you'll discover that such expressions are rare. People are generally comfortable making statements of fact and often delight in expressing their opinions, but rarely disclose how they feel, especially in public. That's probably that seems to make sense. Research uses the term emotional labor to describe situations in which managing and expressing expressing emotions is both appropriate and necessary. Studies show that emotional labor is an important component of many, if not most, occupations. Just as a muscle withers away when it's unused, our capacity to recognize and act on certain emotions decreases without practice. It's hard to cry after spending most of one's life fulfilling the role that society expects of a man. The next, uh, the next um, area here uh, influences on emotional expression, social media. Communicators generally express more emotion online than they do in person. In some cases, it's good news. Those who have trouble sharing feelings face-to-face may find a freedom to do so behind the safety of a keyboard... But unfortunately, there is another side of that. And people uh, feel free to express all sorts of hostile and negative emotions. And of course, even physically threatening people they disagree with online because there's some safety in anonymity and also hiding behind the keyboard um, and the sensor, the screen. Uh, The next um, influence in emotional expression is emotional contagion. An emotional contagion is the process by which emotions are transferred from one to another. It says here we catch feelings from one another as though they were some kind of social virus. There is evidence that students catch the mood of their teachers. So if the teacher's cranky, the students may also be cranky. Likewise, if the teacher is upbeat and positive, and maybe that will be caught as well by the students. Customers are affected by the emotions of the employees they serve. That is true if you work in customer service. Being upbeat and positive will increase customer satisfaction and sales, and probably satisfaction with um, services as well. Okay, so we have talked about so far the um, influences on expressing our emotions and now um, I think we're going to move on to guidelines for expressing emotions. A wide range of research supports the value of expressing emotions appropriately. Starting at a young age, the way parents talk to their children about emotions plays a powerful role on the child's development. John Gottman and his associates identify two distinctive parenting styles, emotional coaching and emotional dismissing. Um, as a uh, note here, I would uh, say that um, the, uh, John Gottman, uh, you should look him up. He's awesome. G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Okay, so guidelines for expressing emotions... Page 246, Um, and then it says uh, recognizing your feelings, choosing the best language, sharing multiple feelings, recognizing the difference between feeling and acting, recognize the difference between feeling and acting, accept responsibility for your feelings, accept responsibilities for your feelings, that's on page 251, I will highlight that, and I recommend you spend 15 to 20 minutes or hours um, there if you would. So let's talk about this section on guidelines for expressing your emotions. So I think I mentioned this uh, prior to pausing there for a second, that uh, John Gottman, and this the, uh, I think there's an institute, the Gottman Institute, I highly recommend John Gottman, all of his work, he's fantastic. And he talked about uh, these two parenting styles. For, for those of you that either have children, will have children, uh, have nieces, nephews, uh, this is good information for sure uh, to help teach young uh, people as they grow into young adults uh, for sure how to deal with expressing their emotions. So he talked about two distinctive parenting styles, emotional coaching and emotional dismissing. The studies show that uh, coaching, uh, the coaching approach gives children skills for communicating about their feelings later in life that will lead to much more satisfying relationships in the future, for sure, especially deep, intimate, romantic ones. Children who grow up in families where, parent, where parents dismiss emotions, at a, at, they are at a higher risk for behavior problems than those that are raised in families that practice emotional coaching. Well... Uh, I don't know if you need much research to, to come to that conclusion, but it certainly is true that helping young children uh, express their emotions in, in a way that is um, not only appropriate but that helps them develop uh, intimacy with other people that is uh, always positive. It says here at the most basic psychological, uh, uh, excuse me, not psychological, at the most basic physiological Level, people who know how to share their feelings appropriately are healthier than those who don't. Inexpress, inexpressive people. Those who avoid their feelings and impulses and deny distress are more likely to have a host of ailments, including, oddly enough, cancer, asthma, and heart disease. People, however, people who are overly expressive also suffer physiologically. So trying to find that over and under, that perfect uh, place of expressing emotions um, is an important part of healthy relationships for sure. Okay, recognize your feelings. Answer the question, uh, how do you feel? Isn't as easy as some people may think it is. I mean, we use that as a basic greeting, you know, how you doing, those kind of things. So how do you feel? And there's some research here that says, um, uh, answering the question, how do you feel, isn't as easy for some people as it is for others. These researchers found that some people are much more aware of their own emotional state and use information about those feelings when making important decisions. By contrast, people with a low affective orientation are usually unaware of their emotions and tend to regard the feelings as uh, useless and unimportant information. To summarize the studies, a relationship between awareness of feelings and a wide variety, a range of uh, valuable traits, including positive, um, including positive relations, relationships between parents and children, the ability to comfort others, sensitivity to nonverbal cues, and even skills, skillful use of humor. In other words, be aware of one's feelings. Being aware of one's feelings is an important ingredient in skillful communication. Recognizing your feelings. Okay. Choose the best language. Most people suffer from an impoverished emotional vocabularies. Ask them how they're feeling and their response will always include good, bad, terrible, great, and so on. And on page 249, there is a table 8.1 descriptive terms for emotions. You should read through those. They're interesting. Some of those are kind of, at least at first glance, uh, hard to define or understand. But take a look at those. Many communicators think that they're expressing feelings when in fact their statements are emotionally counterfeit. For example, it sounds emotionally revealing to say, I feel like going to the movies or I feel like we're seeing too much of each other. But in fact, neither of those statements have any emotional content or starting every sentence with I feel. I feel this, I feel that. And then another form of emotional counterfeit. So, I want to go to the show is not the same as I feel like going to the show. I think we've been seeing too much of each other is not the same as I feel like we've been seeing too much of each other. You can recognize the absence of emotion in each of those cases by adding a genuine word of feeling to it. For instance, I'm bored. I want to go to a show. I think we've been seeing too much of each other and I feel confined. Uh, this is one that I see uh, a lot, this idea of emotion, emotion, emotionally counterfeit um, expressions. So um, partly it becomes a habit, and um, as a young person, oftentimes you develop these communicative habits, and then when you stop and spend some time analyzing them, uh, you kind of see how they, there's, there's no value really to communicating in the fashion where you start every sentence with, I feel. So this is a really good section Uh, for some of you. You should probably spend some time uh, here. It's called Choosing the Best Language relying on a small vocabulary of feelings is as limiting as using only a few terms that describe colors To say that the ocean in all its moods and the sky it varies from day to day and the color of true loves it, the color of your true love's eyes are all blue only tells a fraction of the story. likewise it's overly broad to use a term such as good or great to describe how you feel in situations um, yeah. As diverse as earning a high grade, finishing a marathon, or hearing the words, I love you, from a special person. Finally, you can improve your emotional expression by making it clear that your feelings, that your feeling is centered on a specific set of circumstances rather than the whole relationship. Instead of saying, I resent you, say, I get resentful when you don't keep your promises. See, you're qualifying that statement instead of generalizing. So that's an important part of good functional communication especially if your goal is to develop and maintain intimacy with other people moving on to page 250 sharing multiple feelings many times the feelings you express it is not the only one you're experiencing for example you might often express anger but overlook the confusion disappointment frustration and sadness or an embarrassment that preceded the accomplishment or preceded or accompanies it Next, recognizing the difference between feeling and acting. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you must act on it. In fact, there is compelling evidence that people who act out angry feelings, even by hitting an inanimate punching bag, actually feel worse than those who experience anger without lashing out. Recognizing the difference between feeling and acting can liberate you from the fear that getting in touch with certain emotions will commit you to a course of action. For instance, you think I'm so nervous about the interview that I want to cancel and pretend I'm sick. It becomes possible to explore why you feel so anxious and then work to remedy the problem. That is interesting. Next, accepting responsibility for your feelings. I'd like to spend the next 30, 40, 50 days here, but um, there's only one paragraph here. And then if you go back to chapter five, they spend some time there. But just to highlight it, people don't make us like or dislike them, and believing that they do denies the responsibility each of us has for our own emotions. I will repeat, people don't make us feel anything. People don't make us like or dislike them, and believing that they do denies the responsibility each of us has for our own emotions. It's important to make sure your emotional expressions don't blame others for the way you feel. It's important to make sure that your emotional expression doesn't blame others for the way that you feel. The I language described in chapter 5, so back up to 5 and take a look at that. For example, instead of saying, you make me so angry. It's more accurate to say, I'm feeling angry. Instead of saying, you hurt my feelings. A better way is to say, I feel hurt when you do that, whatever that exact thing is. okay. But... I would say that in my um, 40 plus years of being involved in deep intimate relationships, that if you really, one key to improving uh, your relationships is to accept responsibility for your feelings and don't try to make others responsible for the way you feel. Just avoid it. Find other ways to communicate and to connect with and to understand uh, why you feel the way you do, but this is a very, very important section. And then, if you go back to chapter five, take a look at that I language section, because again, if you could uh, reframe your uh, responses in an I format, you're much more likely to be uh, understood, to be uh, have a higher level of relational satisfaction, and probably have deeper intimate relationships. Okay, moving on. Choose the best time and place to express your feelings. So it says here, often the first flush of a strong feeling is not the best time to speak about it. If you're awakened by the, uh, by the racket caused by a noisy neighbor, storming over to complain might result in you saying things you regret later. In such cases, it's probably wiser to wait until you've, thoughtfully, you've carefully thought out, so you may express your feelings. Sometimes the first, uh, the thing that you feel as you think about it, why you feel it, why it bothers you, you may be able to work through that before you then confront another person about how you feel even after you've waited for your initial emotion system subside it's still important to choose the best time and place best suited for the message uh, there's a saying that um, don't let the sun set on your anger and some people have interpreted that is that um, we cannot go to sleep until i express my emotions and then you understand them and accept them And again, this is kind of part of Chapter 12 in regards to conflict, but um, you should do the best you can to find the best time and place to discuss uh, hurt, deep, difficult feelings with another human, especially somebody that you're intimate with and that you desire to maintain that intimacy with. So I think this is an important thing. Choose the best time and place to express your feelings. Okay, this is going to be the end of uh, Section 1, and then I will uh, post... This is um, two parts. So uh, this is the end of Section 1, Chapter 8. This is Professor Tefano out.